This is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. Well, we have spent a ton of time talking about the coaching search for your Seattle Seahawks, and now there are just two vacancies, the Washington Commanders and your Seattle Seahawks with many, many options. But one we hadn't really heard out here in connection with the Seahawks has been Mike Vrabel, which is an interesting choice. A lot of fans and listeners seem to really like him. And somebody who can uh, shed a little light on him is uh, with us now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. He is the Titans reporter for ESPN. Teron Davenport is with us. How are you, sir? I'm doing really well, man. I had to. I heard the update. I had to look at my phone and just make sure I was on the Seattle station. Some good news for the 49ers. It's like the Hatfield saying good news for the McCoy, man. What's going on over there? <laughs> we're objective here. We're just we're just saying, hey, they're happy. They got Debo back. So, all right. Hope, we're all hoping for a okay. good game this weekend. So, yeah, ho- hopefully the Niners lose, though. You got that part right. Um, yeah. Hey, you know, it's interesting in this whole coaching search. I mean, there were eight openings at one point. Now we're down to two. You know, it's interesting to see who's talked to which guys, which guys haven't talked to anybody. And Mike Vrabel is an interesting choice because there seems to be a lot of uh, reverence for him around the league. A lot of people just talking about what a great head coach he is. And I'm thinking, well, he got let go, though. He, he's not a guy that uh, they were clinging to there. And our, our producer, who you spoke with, is our resident Titans expert. He knows all. And he's not a huge fan of, of Rabel's coaching style. So what was the perception of him out there? Were people feeling like he's the problem? Or did they feel like th- there's not enough talent? or what? Give me, give me a sense of how, how people felt about Vrabel out there. Yeah, honestly, it's a mix of all three. There are some who feel that he was the problem. You look at some of the things that come from within the building, some people that I've talked to, they discussed how it was one of those things where he wasn't willing to take on some of the new, modern, innovative things that the organization wanted to implement. So that was an issue. There was the issue of Ryan Cowden, the former assistant GM who interviewed for the GM position. That's who... Mike Vrabel wanted to be the GM, and when that didn't happen, there was an acceptance uh, issue with Rand Carthon. They got along, but there was just that mix. It wasn't it wasn't going correctly. So you have those. I think as a coach, he definitely is a, a really good coach from a technical standpoint, situation wise. But the one thing also that came from within that building is just the emotional roller coaster. Whereas a coach, you have to be even keeled. Mm-hmm. And apparently in that building, you know, there were times where a loss that week after a loss was just miserable and people didn't want to come to the building. So that's an issue. But I mean, look, Mike Vrabel will always get an endorsement from me. He has been a coach that got the most out of. Uh, talent. You look at 2021, uh, this is a team that lost Derrick Henry for, what, seven games, and they managed to find themselves at the top of the AFC. So you do have that. Uh, it's just, it, it just was, it was time for a change. And I think, you know, he could go someplace else and definitely have an impact. Now, Teron, when you said he didn't want to embrace like new ideas, was it Offense, defense, X's and O's. Was it some of the, you know, analytics stuff? Was he where? Where was he? Kind of old fashioned. It was analytics. Uh, that was a part of it. But then it was also just the offensive philosophy. You look at under Mike Vrabel. It was all about Derrick Henry. They were going to run the football, try to limit turnovers, and stop the opposing team from running the football. But 
look, this league is very different. That's why the team controlling owner, Amy Adams Strong, she said, this is not my father's NFL. That's what she said when they gave Rand Carthon a promotion from GM to executive VP, and they created a new position, president of football ops, for Chad Brinker, and they announced the hiring of Brian Callahan. So it was more that, just that whole getting out of the old school way of doing things and getting more innovative, especially on offense. I mean, this is a team that ran the football an awful lot. And like I said, it was that old cloud of dust type of look. And it was just all about playing defense, winning in the margins, whether it's field position or or things like that. You know, one of the things we heard, I can't remember where it came from, but they were talking about Vrabel and saying he had that, you know, smartest guy in the room sort of approach at times. Is that is that inaccurate? Is that unfair? Or is that something you had heard before? Yeah, that is something that I heard before and the my way or the highway approach to it. And it just it got old to a lot of people there. And that, that was an issue. There was a um, a show out here in Nashville that had Wesley Woodyard on, a former linebacker. He played for the Titans for a bit. And he talked a little bit about kind of the double standards. And he gave an example of Mike Vrabel saying no kids allowed in the building or in the locker room, rather, but his son was able to go, come in. So you, you have that. Mm. I do know, like, towards the end, there was a bit of uh, – it kind of went sour in, in, in certain aspects of the locker room, and that was something as well. But, again, I, I really, really feel that wherever he goes next, he's going to have success. It's just one of those things where if you're winning, it's great, but if you're losing, you start to – take a double look at things well Teron you know we're we're looking at guys like Josh McDaniels you know he he kind of found his ceiling right he's he's not a head coach and what we have is all of these coordinators and they're really good at this but they don't really know you don't really know if he's a good head coach or not is that do you think that's the case with Vrabel or do you think you know he should go back sort of you know just be comfortable being a coordinator or a position coach is it is it over for him as far as head coaching opportunities no i definitely don't think it's over for him as far as head coaching opportunities the main thing that he has to make clear is that he's not going to get into a, a power struggle for control of the roster that's the big thing and that was something that Ended up when John Robinson, the former GM, when he was fired, that was something that was an, an ongoing issue from that point all the way up until uh, a week and a half ago when, when he got fired. So uh, you look at Mike Vrabel, in my opinion, he's more suited to be a head coach than a coordinator. In fact, his last year as a defense coordinator in Houston before he took the job with the Titans as a head coach, that defense was 32nd in the league. You know, So I don't know that he's as good of a coordinator as he is a head coach. He is one of those guys that you want out in front of your organization. He's the, the, the figurehead. He's the guy that will be your CEO that you have lead the way. Do you think he would accept if, if either the commanders or the Seahawks aren't going to go with him? Obviously, there are no more vacancies, so he's kind of left out in the cold. Could you see him taking a coordinator job, or do you think he's feeling like, no, it's head coach or bust? Yeah, I think it is head coach or bust. And frankly, I don't see – any teams, you look at the new hires, I don't see any of them wanting to bring him aboard as a, a coordinator. Uh, it, it's unfortunate, but I think, like I said, just his his style, his aura, his vibe, his energy, it, it's really only suited for a leader of the pack, not a part of it. He's the guy you put in the front of, of the, the group. But I will say this, 
And I, I did it so many times. I loved when we had the opportunity in training camp to watch the whole practice because I would literally follow him from position to position, and I would watch him go to the O-line and show them how to, you know, get a hold of, of a defender and turn him and, and make him go a certain way. And then he'll run over to the DBs, and you see him showing them how to fight through the tuck with the receiver, and they'll go to the receiver and work with combat and so on and so forth. And it was really interesting. The days when I chose to follow him, that was always like a 10K-plus step day on my uh, on my uh, watch there because uh, <laughs> he goes all over the place. Hey, Tron, uh, can you tell us uh, – in, in, uh, we were down in Tennessee, did a game down there last year, obviously, and, you know, just the love for Derrick Henry in that city, mm. man. And, you know, it – at the at the end of the year, kind of a send off farewell thing. Tell us, uh, uh, kind of describe how much. I mean, it, it seems like he loves being down there as well. But how much these fans just love Derrick Henry? Well, I'll put it to you this way: since the Titans got here to Tennessee, there's two names, two players who had their either their first name or their last name chanted. And it was Eddie George. You used to always hear Eddie, Eddie, Eddie. Mm -hmm. And it's Derrick Henry because you always hear Henry, Henry, Henry. And still, even up to the Jacksonville game, if Derrick gets the ball and he runs four yards, the crowd goes crazy because they know what's about to happen. And you look at that long run he had against Jacksonville. He had the audacity to be running at 6'3", 247 pounds. He had the audacity to be running 21.6 miles an hour. <laughs> Good Cullen, night. If he ran through a school zone, he would have got ticketed. That's how fast <laughs> he was running. You know what I mean? So that juice that he brings, the energy, it's it's unmatched to, to what I've seen from any other player there at Nissan Stadium. And he's about as big as a car. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I tell you what, yeah, I mean, I you guys, did you get to see him in person when you were here for the game? I like, didn't. Up close, like I, down on the field? No. No, did not. I tell you a quick. I tell you a quick story. Two two summer camps ago, uh, Tory Holt he works with the NFLPA or NFL Alumni uh, Association, and he was doing kind of like a camp tour. And I love Tory Holt, so I had to make my way over and start conversation. And we were talking, and Derek walked by, and he just said, "Good Lord, that's a running back." And so <laughs> this is a guy who is a future Hall of Famer playing this game, and he saw Derek Henry, and that's what he said. So that just lets you know, it's I always I always used to tell Derek like you know we're fortunate to have you. We're kind of borrowing you from another galaxy, and it's fun covering <laughs> you because he's just he's a different creature. Well, and the and the other part from the outside, I've I've never spoken to him and 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 had that opportunity, but we watched him after that game. Somebody had video of him outside of the stadium signing and taking pictures with fans until uh, they wrote anyway until everybody was gone. I mean that's. Yeah. Well, he seems by all accounts to be a great guy as well. Is that is that accurate? Very accurate. He's so humble and so dedicated to serving the community. I remember I went to a an event with him that he was doing for his All-22 Foundation, which is designed to help underprivileged youth. And he went to a place called Burlington, which is like, uh, I'm not sure, familiar with the stores out there. If you think of like Sears, uh, something like that, there's a store like that. And it was a week before Christmas, and he went there, and he told everybody, hey, anything you have on layaway, go get it. I'm covering the tab. Like, it doesn't mm -hmm. get better than that, man. Derek, is a, he's a great dude, man. And it's it's uh, unfortunate that he's probably going to be moving on, but uh, it, it kind of is what it is. But 
yeah, he loves the community. He serves the community. And you never, ever see him more uh, soft-hearted or just kind of melt than when he has his little girl in his arms. That's always the, the best to see in training camp. Well you, well, you just hit on what I wanted to ask you about him. Is it is it pretty much a certainty that he is gone? And if that's the case, why why didn't they trade him? It sounded like they had some offers where they could at least get something for him rather than he, him just walking away for nothing. Yeah, yeah. It's I, I never – there's no such thing as a certainty in, in, in the NFL. Like, who would have thought Bobby Wagner would play for the daggone Rams? You know what I mean? It's just <laughs> one of those things, right, yeah. that happens from time to time. But I, I think it's more than likely – that he ends up elsewhere. He said he wants to win a Super Bowl. So you look at teams like Buffalo, like Kansas City. Um, well, I doubt they got Pacheco. But you look at like Baltimore, those types of teams. I could see him Dallas going there and trying to win a, a chip. And then you also they're bringing in Brian Callahan. And although he did say this morning on the ESPN affiliate here, he did say that he would never turn down Derrick Henry and any offense would want to have him. And that's that's cool and all, but I don't think that that match is, is there. And they got a young back by the name of Tajay Spears, who yeah. if you think of Aaron Jones from the Packers, very similar game to that. And I, I think, you know, he's more or less going to be the running back going forward with support from whoever they should draft or have on the roster already. Hey, Tron, were you also surprised, getting back to the coaching uh, uh, deal, as far as Bill Belichick, that it's just weird to me. I mean, he's the most. And Bob and I were talking about you know his resume. Just hand him your your win loss record and trips to the playoffs, yet doesn't have a job in the NFL. Was that shocking to you? No, it's not honestly. And from what I understand in Houston, there were issues with the front office where a lot of guys there were like, "No, he's not coming in here and reorchestrating, uh, recalibrating what what we do. That's not happening." I, I think what you're seeing. It's just a trend away from those dominating head coaches that my way or the highway type. Now, of course, I say that in the Chargers hired hardball. But yeah. at the same time, you're looking at uh, from a defensive perspective and someone that wants control uh, of the personnel department and those types of things. I think you're seeing it get away from that. Even you look at Pete Carroll, right? He, he's not there anymore. And obviously he didn't have control, but he had a pretty strong say in what happened. Uh, personnel-wise. So I think they're moving away from that type of order operations and more to uh, that quote-unquote collaboration and groupthink synergy type of approach. He is ESPN's Titans reporter. Teron Davenport has been our guest here with Wyman and Bob. Teron, thanks so much for the conversation, man. We really appreciate the time. Yeah, no problem. And you guys got the privilege of covering my favorite player in the draft this last year. I love Devin Weatherspoon. So if he's listening... Oh. You have a huge, huge fan right here in Nashville. Defensive Rookie of the Year, right? Uh, Let's do it. I I would say so. You better be. We love him, man. We love that guy. Yeah, you're not alone in that. He's he's very popular out here. Thanks so much, man. Yes, sir. Thank you. I appreciate it. Take care. There you go. Teron Davenport covers the Titans for ESPN. Good stuff out of him. And and, uh, it's funny that, you know, talking about – I can't remember where we heard that thing about Vrabel being the smartest guy in the room. And him saying, "Yeah, yeah, I've heard that. That's like that's a thing." So, yeah, that did, that does not go well with John Schneider. I wouldn't think it would go well with many. If yeah, well, I mean, I think he has a special, I'd say, Schneider, a special kind of um, humility, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I think that's the good way to be. It's not like, hey, it's my way or the highway, as he said. And um, 
Yeah, you're not going to want that. You're not going to want that at all. That's no. that's not the kind of coach that you're looking for. You're looking for a collaboration because I don't think that Schneider is going to rule with an iron fist or anything. I think he's he's going to want to hear everybody's input. But when it gets down to it, you know, somebody has to say yes or no. And yeah. I feel like it's going to be more that way than it has to be to do with, uh, well, this is my plan and this is what we're doing. And I feel like he's he's a pretty humble guy that way. Our thanks to Teron Davenport for the insight on Mike Vrabel. Meanwhile, you got the postseason awards that are out there. We've got the finalists for these awards. We've talked about the Defensive Rookie of the Year. Where I think we agree it's got to come down to Witherspoon or Turner, right? Those are the two. Kobe Turner. I don't. Yeah, those feel like it. I understand that Will Anderson's a bigger name than Turner. It seems like it gets more press. Same with Jalen Carter. I don't think Carter's in it, and I certainly don't think Porter Jr.'s in it. Just yeah. looking at the numbers. Well, I mean, look, I, 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 I'm prepared to get screwed. And really, it's because I think the the Texans, you know, you get a, you got C.J. Stroud, who's probably going to be the offensive rookie of the year, right? Yeah, we'll go through these categories but, here, but yeah. But yeah, and, and then, you know, they that whole story and everything, and I think everybody knew about Will Anderson. What was he, the number three pick? Number three, because they went two and three. Right. Back so, to back. Yeah, I don't, I don't see any way that Jalen Carter gets it, but I, I feel like if he's going to lose to anyone, it's probably going to be Will Anderson. Uh, well, how about MVP? It feels like this is a foregone conclusion. I mean, maybe I'm just being influenced by all the talking heads I've heard debating this, but your finalists for MVP are all quarterbacks except for one guy. So it's Josh Allen, it's Lamar Jackson, Christian McCaffrey being the outlier, Dak Prescott, Brock Purdy. Who do you think it is? I think it's Lamar. I think he. I think he's going to get it. If I were going to, if I had a vote on it, I'd probably give it to McCaffrey. McCaffrey has over two thousand yards this year. He's he's ridiculous what he's done, and he is he is such a surprise. He's gone against what you traditionally see with guys at that position when they suffer injuries repeatedly. They don't get more durable. He has. I don't know what – I felt like, yeah, good move by the 49ers to get him if he's healthy. What are the chances he's going to be healthy? They're going to eat this big contract. Well, he's been he's been an absolute rock star for them. He has – he's fumbled apparently three times, and two of them recovered. He only lost one fumble the entire year. He's, uh, and he's just getting nailed every play. So who, uh, who would you vote for? Who do you think is going to win? Who, who do you – who would you vote for? I think both. You're you're hearing his stats right now. <laughs> I mean, it's Christian McCaffrey. You got a couple of touchdowns uh, rushing in that playoff game, and like I said, well, he's got 564 uh, receiving yards, 1459 running, 14 touchdowns, uh, running seven, catching. Uh, yeah, Christian McCaffrey. He would get your vote, but you yes. think you also think they're going to vote for him? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I think I so. think Lamar is going to get it, but I would vote for McCaffrey. Yeah, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson, I think, is a more sentimental pick, you know, for, for people, and I know it's not supposed to be that way, but... I think I know, quarterbacks always just get the nod. Yeah, well, and also, I think he's easy to root for. I think he's a very fun player to watch. Oh, yeah. And I think everybody loves watching him, and I think it's more about his style. Um you know, Christian McCaffrey, he, he made one of the best runs I've ever seen. It was in the NFC Championship game last year where he broke, I think, three tackles. And, yeah, he, he's just he's just fantastic. All right, how about this? Offensive Rookie of the Year. You got Puka Nakua. You got Bijan Robinson. You got Jameer Gibbs, Sam Laporta, C.J. Stroud. Whew, that's a tough one. I'm going to go with Puka Nakua. I want to I say he has like 1,400 yards. 
He set the record. Yeah, he broke records. I would that would be my my vote. I think CJ Stroud's getting it. Yeah. I think you're, you're He's probably a quarterback. Right. He's I, I really like what I saw to Jameer Gibbs too with Detroit, and we'll watch him this weekend. But that, yeah, I would say Puka Nakua is is my vote. But yeah, CJ Stroud is yeah. definitely going to win. We're, we're in lockstep on that one. All right, how about this one? Coach of the year: Dan Campbell, Kyle Shanahan, John Harbaugh, D'Amico Ryan's, Kevin Stefanski. Oh man, I. I think John Harbaugh should get it, but you talk about two sentimental favorites, Dan Campbell and D'Amico Ryans. I mean, D'Amico Ryans has a really cool story, and if you you know about his background and everything and how he got that job, yeah, I I, I think I think that like the the writers are more into a guy like D'Amico Ryans just because of his backstory and how how awesome he is as a human being and all that stuff. But I don't know. I'm, I'm going to go, uh, my personal, uh, I think, is John Harbaugh, but I feel like uh, either Dan Campbell or D'Amico Ryans are going to get it. Yeah, I'm going with Campbell on that one. So we'll, we'll see, and then we, we both agree it should be Witherspoon in defensive Absolutely. rookie of the year. All right, coming up, we're going to get full show participation in this one. And that, what that means is, of course, you, me, Lefko, and Matt. Gonna, uh, Matt's getting prepped. We is got he getting prepped? Here. All we right. Got the roster's up. We got it. We're going to have our picks for standout players in these conference title games coming up. So we're going to make those picks, including Matt. Next thing you know, Matt's going to start talking about single high safety. and <laughs> Oh, you don't need to worry know, about that, Dave. I've post, never heard that phrase before. <laughs> skinny post, a little, little wheel route. Well, yeah, wait, wait, wait. Route. <laughs> we had to make sure, real quick, we did have to make sure about Patrick Mahomes. And we had a, Shannon came in and asked you, right? And what was your answer? He was a quarterback for one of the teams. There I, I knew that we were talking about. Do you know him. why she asked you that? Uh, to, to make fun of me? No, no because Be- of this. Because yeah. because Lefko was convinced you'd have no idea who Patrick Mahomes was. I'm like, of course he knows who he is. There's he's on a million State Farm commercials. He knows uh, from just he's Hearing all over a, the show sheet. But that's yeah. about it. All yeah. over the show so, sheet. Oh, that's <laughs> you don't know what but he looks like. Right. So we established the baseline of hey, no quarterbacks. We had to make sure you knew who Mahomes was. All right, and we're good. All right, so we're going to do this next year with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports. You got to love when we get full show participation, Dave. I mean, you and I, obviously, we're sharing our opinions each and every day, every moment. But when you get the full show participation, it's, it takes on a specialness to it. I, I just want you to know something, Matt. Mm. This was my idea. Yeah. Okay? You want to put I want you, you to know on the that. spot. That makes sense. Thanks, Dave. Thanks. So what, can always count on you. What we did last week is we went through, Dave and I did, went through all of the uh, teams and we picked out players we thought could be difference makers. But we said, let's not go with quarterbacks. Quarterbacks are chalk. It'd be too easy to go with Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, some of these guys are stars but uh, in other positions. But the quarterback seems the most obvious. So we're going to hold that rule yeah. again. We can't. Nobody's picking Lamar. Nobody's picking Patrick Mahomes, Brock Purdy, uh, Jared Goff. Can't Not do that it. Matt knows who those people are. Um, but <laughs> I've heard the names. Yeah. He's heard all those names. They He's played familiar. for a team. So everybody else is fair game. Well, and I last night I got a little fired up and I bragged about my picks. And I'm thinking about applying to be a G- GM. Aria. Yeah. All right. Why, did I your am. picks do well? Yeah, they did. You didn't read my email, Bob? Did you put all their stats? <laughs> 
<laughs> Did you put all their stats on there? Because then did. I probably didn't. Yeah, um, you were bored. Well, you sent like five of them last night, so I was like, "All right, Dave's on one tonight." I don't know what's going on here, but you thought it was on a bender, didn't you? Well, I thought there could be some influence, but um, yeah, I mean, I think I think we both did well because I, I took two guys who were chalky. I took Christian McCaffrey and and Travis Kelsey, who were both. Yep. Pretty pretty darn productive. CMC. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so again, we're going to hold it to no quarterbacks because that's that's too obvious. So let let's start with Matt. We'll just go team by team and each make our pick. How about that? Now, why are we starting with me? You want us to? You want to go no, last? Let's end with Matt. We All right. Let's end with Matt. The build up. Okay. Wait, you're trying to pull a me. Uh, going right. to the most important <laughs> one right okay. off. All right. So I'll, <laughs> I'll go first on this one. I, I was thinking of going. Offense with the Ravens because it seems too obvious to go defense, but I, I kind of want to go defense again. Going defense, I'm going to go Roquan Smith. Ah, Roquan Smith is my pick to be uh, to have a big game for for the uh, Baltimore Ravens. How yeah, about you? They got two linebackers, number zero and number six, and that's Queen and Roquan Smith. They fly around the field. I went with Gus Edwards. He's one of their running backs. So you went with off? Okay. Yeah, so I went offense uh, against us. He carried five times for 52 yards. Not that that was hard to do. Uh, last week he had 10, 10 carries for 40 yards. I think he's a tough running back, and I feel like, you know, you, you see how explosive he is. So I'm going with uh, with Gus Edwards. Lefko? Uh, Kyle Hamilton. All I think right. he'll be tested deep. So He's yeah. just talking the about young him. rookie. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of a lanky guy for a, a safety and big hitter. He plays well. He does lay the wood. <laughs> um, all right, and it's, it's uh, a football phrase. Don't, get, okay. don't you try to don't you try to muddy the water? Look at Matt. Matt's not going to be able to get his pick out here. Uh, we saved the best for last. Matt, your Ravens difference maker, who's not Lamar Jackson. Number eighty-five, Scotty Washington, because I live in the state of Washington. <laughs> I love the rationale. I love it. The man who picked oh Buffalo for the wings, of course. For the wings. <laughs> that was the best answer And because ever. he likes it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, Philadelphia. Love that. <laughs> it's probably as good as any. I mean, uh, yeah. So good. I love it. I love it. All right, moving on to the Chiefs. Uh, I'm going to go offense on this side. I'm going to go with wide receiver Rasheed Rice. Mm. I'm going to go with him. I like it. Yeah. I'm gonna, not, not the obvious. Yeah, Travis Kelsey, is. I mean, he had a big game, but I'm gonna. we're not going to pick we're not going to duplicate our picks from last week, so I'm going to stick with their offense and go Rasheed Rice. Yeah. Um, I'm going defense. Nick Bolton is a guy that I, I feel like he leads the team in tackles or second in tackles almost every every year and uh, very underrated. I think he wears, like, number 32, which is an odd choice at linebacker. Nick Bolton's my guy. How about you, Lefko? Uh, I'll stay with your linebackers. Drew Tranquil. Ah, yeah, I was one. on Drew Tranquil when he was with the Chargers. Yep, I thought we should have signed. I him remember here. that, and that's yeah. kind of what popped in my brain. And he's going to have to slow down Lamar Jackson somehow. If he gets out in open space. So. I think you're right. You know, that's that's why I kind of pick linebacker because I feel like you know you look at some of those plays that are designed runs from him where he drops back and then the guards pull up and up right up the middle. He he's not afraid. You know, you look at, like, Kyler Murray. He's always afraid to turn it up inside. Mm -hmm. He likes to get outside. Lamar Jackson's a badass. He runs mm -hmm. right up the middle of the field. What do you think, Matt? Chikwe Buke Godrick, an offensive tackle from the Kansas City Chiefs. I really like his name. It looks cool. <laughs> it looks cool. I was only, like, scanning through the roster first, and I thought it said Chewbacca for a second. So I was like, that's my guy no matter what. really excited. 
<laughs> might get pressed into action. And he's an offensive tech. So, yeah. yeah, he's well, maybe. How do you think that offensive line is gonna? Maybe he'll pick up a fumble and score a touchdown. Yeah, that go. that'll happen. It'll get fantasy points. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, on to the 49ers. Uh, I'm torn because this one guy I just don't like very much because he was the one that sucker punched our guy Bobo, Lenore. Oh, yeah. I think he's a good player. He is. But I'll go with Charvarius Ward. Oh. I'm going to go with Ward. That's my guy. Was that who you You can pick the same guy. It's all uh, right. I don't want to part, be part of your what you got going on over there. What are you talking about? I had a, I had a big week last week. Yeah, Shavari's Ward. I, I'm going with it, too. There we go. Defensive uh, side of the ball. Brandon Ayuk, if Debo's still hurting, not 100%, and I think the Niners will need some offense. I mean, the Lions are the Lions are going to put up points, I feel like. So. Yeah. Ayuk. All righty. Here we go. Matt? Kyle Juszczyk. Yes! <laughs> hey! That's... It just sounded cool. Again, <laughs> I'm sorry, but he just has a really cool name. Juszczyk. He got through it. Yeah. You could have butchered that. I think I still did. (laughs) You started to, but you you reeled it back in. You reeled it back in. I'm proud of you. Uh, And it's always good when I'm the one correcting, you know, how you you say a name. (laughs) Uh, All right. So on to the Lions. On to the Lions. I'm going to go offense because I love love what uh, Ben Johnson's doing with that offense. Don't say uh, it. Amon Ross St. Brown oh would be the – well, he's the he's a little bit too obvious. You would not be good in categories. You ever played that game? He's too obvious. No, no. So, Dave, you still have a chance. I'm going to go with Josh Reynolds. Josh Reynolds. Yeah. That's a good choice. Not chalky. This is probably the chalkiest pick I have here. Yeah. It is Amon. Amon, Amon Raw St. Brown. Yeah. Would you you call him St. Raw before? <laughs> His brother's uh, name Amon St. Raw. is Osiris and Obsequious. Equinemius. Yeah. <laughs> Obsequious. <laughs> uh, all right. Wasn't that a movie? What was the movie that uh, the guy from Harry Potter was in? It was kind of like that. Mm, I don't remember. You just lost the whole movie. Equus? Yeah. It was a play. Yeah, a play. There we go. Equus. Equiminius. That's a, that's a random pull right yeah. there. Uh, who's your who's your pick, Lefko? Yeah, I'll stay offense. Uh, Jameer Gibbs. He looked like a, a big difference maker last week. So if he can uh, slice through that Niners defense, I'll go with him. Matt? I have a really obvious pick for this one. Let Number me, 67, oh, an offensive tackle for the Detroit Lions, Matt Nelson. Yes! Let's go! How Matt do you not Nelson. pick him? I mean, I have to. It's almost like your name since you're Matt Rogers, but, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. so close. <laughs> it's I, I had close. to go with it. <laughs> all right. So you keep track of all these, left cone? Do you got uh, Yeah, sure. I mean, a lot of them are linemen. I don't know how we kind of track stats for that. Yeah, but, sure. Uh, there's right, got to be a if way. If we don't hear Matt Nelson get a penalty called on him, he wins this pick for the Lions. Yeah, so. listen. Oh, there you go. Well, that's a weird joke. So Curtis would always joke when Matt was working the Seahawks broadcast and it was Seahawks-Lions that they would hope that Matt Nelson would have a terrible game. Then you'd hear Rabel just like, and Matt Nelson screws up again. <laughs> Matt Nelson <laughs> is a revolving door out there. He's a turnstile. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see how it goes. So there are the picks for uh, some difference makers this coming weekend in the title games. Looking forward to that. Coming up, we might have gotten the best explanation for why Bill Belichick doesn't have a head coaching job. We'll get that when we sweep the dial. Coming up with Wyman and Bob, this is Seattle Sports on 710. Scanning the airwaves for the most interesting and entertaining stories of the day. Sweeping the dial. Every afternoon at 445 with Wyman and Bob. Well, if only I had audio, I would do what we were talking about before the break ended. But uh, 
you know, we have more important things to get You're to. We're doing research. We are yeah, doing we research. We are doing research, and it's important. On some important uh, Seinfeld history. So uh, we'll have to wait for a later day on that. But uh, today on First Take, Ryan Clark. And we heard a little bit about this, I think, when you, you talked to Teron Davenport about it. But uh, he kind of broke down why Bill Belichick doesn't fit as a head coach in the league today. And does any of us think that when you sit and have a meeting with Bill Belichick, you are wowed by his personality and his ability to connect? So if it's just not that you're worried about history or that you're worried about resume or that you're trophy case watching, he ain't the dude. And I think that the day it happened, Adam Schefter said that the Atlanta Falcons could be players for Bill Belichick, which said to me it was Bill Belichick's job to lose. Well, guess what? He lost it. That's what happened here. They sat in front of him and they realized he wasn't the right. So are you saying he's not as good as we all thought he was? No, because you don't win if you're not that good. He was as good as we all thought he was when he was as good as we all thought he was. That ain't today. So he was good as we all thought he was back then. And now his style. And I I don't doubt that maybe his style doesn't fit. It's clear. I mean. It's obvious. You, you, Why do I feel like he was yelling at me? Because he was he was yelling. Oh, okay. That's, that's just, I'm telling you, again, keep that in mind. If you get asked onto one of these shows, Dave, get ready to yell. You know, uh, you think you get a raise? Maybe some bonuses or something like that? <laughs> yeah, we're going to shout starting yeah. on Monday. It's going to be great. Four hours of shouting. I can't disagree. I don't know. Obviously, none of us know exactly what Bill Belichick is like behind the scenes, but uh, I mean, you got kind of a glimpse of it. With uh, Nick Saban on that little show, and yeah. he's not super electric. No, he's never been, but that that never seemed to be a requirement. He he got the best. His guys were cre- incredibly loyal to him. We've talked about how you know we all have one perception, but every player they left there outside of Cassius Marsh seemed to love the guy. Yeah. So and he won. So that seems that's all they want in a bottom line business. That should be all that matters. But it feels like it is it is shifting away from that, and they do need to have some sort of you know, I don't know, maybe some level of exuberance to him and some youth to him. And despite the X's and O's or the genius that is Belichick, it's there's no place for it, apparently. That would have been crazy if they would have gone with Belichick here. <laughs> I mean, you go from those are pretty much the extremes that we always talk about. You know, when you yeah. got one guy on one end of fired up and happy and Pete and Belichick having fun. <laughs> Couldn't find two more opposite personalities. Sweeping the dial. Well, the man with the uh, probably least fun job this week will be Chiefs defensive coordinator Steve Spagnuolo, who has to figure out how to stop or at least slow down Lamar Jackson. So he weighed in on the challenges of doing that. They are different quarterbacks. You know, what we want to do to them might change a little bit. I don't want to dive too deep into it, but... He's just like, if you, you put the film on, I mean, it's like, okay, how, how do you defend that? It's another one of those, right? Because there's some things he does that nobody else does. And uh, the, the best thing we can do is try to try to contain him as best we can. To me, the best thing we did last week, if we can, if we could do this again, which is hard to do, is limit the explosive passes. I mean, I think that helps us, you know, then it makes him kind of matriculate down the field. We certainly need to defend this quarterback better than we did last week to make things go the way we Spagnola is fantastic, man. Yeah, he was the head coach of the Rams when I was in St. Louis. Was he? He, he started coaching in 1981 at UMass. Then he went to the then Redskins, Lafayette, Connecticut. He's been everywhere, but he's one of those guys also that he can he does fairly simple things that work really well because his players execute. 
And, you know, like when you have your man-to-man coverage and you've got like three receivers and they're all bunched up and, mm-hmm. what you know, everybody has to sift it through and you look at how his players handle that, like they never seem to get that wrong. And he may may sound boring. I See, and I don't think he's a head coach, but yeah, he's a was, hell of a defensive coordinator. I was just going to say, is he not a perfect example of somebody who is a great coordinator, not a great head coach? Yeah. Yeah. And then as far as... Defending Lamar, would you, with your defensive mind, would you employ the the method that Belichick did with with uh, Marshall Falk during the Super him? Bowl and just hey, you're, get, you're no, getting trouble. You're getting hit every play. Yeah. You're just gonna you're just gonna try to get under his skin, get in his head, maybe uh, get him seeing ghosts, if you will. Yeah, it's hard to get him, and it's it's really hard to square him up in you know um, in open field. The kid Christian Harris last week, the mm-hmm. Texan guy I picked, he got him a couple of times, but it was just barely getting a shoestring. I could see, though, somebody going, hey, if he takes off running, all bets are off. Like, I'll pay your fine. And I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to say you want to be dirty, but hit him like you would hit a running back. Yeah. And, you know, that would, that would totally change the entire landscape of their offense. Sweeping the dial. So Kyle Shanahan was uh, breaking down the Lions and what they do well, and he explains here why the aggressiveness they like to play with, why it affects the game for the opponents and for the Lions. You're aware of it, so you understand it, you prepare for it. You know, when it's third down, they might have two tries a lot more than other teams do percentage-wise. You know, they're willing to go for fake punts and all that stuff. I mean, those guys are trying to steal possessions as much as they can. And I'll tell you after the game whether it's a good thing or bad thing for us. I mean, anytime you try to steal possessions, you're also offering an opportunity to lose possessions. So those are opportunities for them, but they're also big opportunities for us too. And you come up with more than half of them, I feel it's in our favor. Was it this year or last year that the Lions had a fake punt on us? that they executed I think they uh, this year I think right? it was this yeah. year yeah it was down on their sidelines I just remember seeing that and yeah the, I've never heard that one steal possessions but uh, yeah that's They're what he's talking man. about he yeah. goes for it on fourth down he's aggressive there and you know you've got commentators and fans screaming what are you doing take the take the field goal here go for the points and he's going nope going for it fourth and one here we go Remember there was a, a coach down in Texas who coached high school football and people were you know going down and watching him and everything, but he, he didn't have a punter. Mm. He was going for it on every fourth down, regardless. It backed up on your own 20. Fourth and 10? He's going fourth for it? Fourth and 10, going for it. <laughs> How do yeah. you do? Do you know? Did well. I mean, he had, he had a good record. I don't know how, what kind of talent he had or anything, but it's just, you know, I mean, some, if you... If you do it even like three or four times a year, people think you're extreme. Yeah. It's just so, you know, not part of the plan. But I don't know. This, this It'll be interesting. I, I would love to see a wild game, you know, between those two offenses going up and down the field. I'm so excited for that. Is that the early game, by the way? Or is it the later game? The Chiefs uh, game is early, right? Yeah, it's got to be. Chiefs, right? Yeah, because it's in Baltimore. Yeah, of course. And then the other one is at, uh, in Santa Clara there. Yeah. yeah. Why Lefko's giving me that? Oh, I was not aware of that. No, until it, right totally, now. it totally makes sense that they would do that. I think one's at 12 and one's at like 3.30. He was looking at me like I was uh, giving him kooky talk, you know. Maybe he's thinking about something else. I was just thinking of last week. Like, it feels like those the heavyweight matchups are always at the end, but you're right. It would have made no sense to make the Niners play early. So, yes. I think I think he's probably pondering Matt Nelson's picks. 
Harper over the weekend. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to catch up on those and write them down. Matt Nelson's pick of Matt Nelson. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be Look easy at the to remember. Ego on you. He's feeling good about his picks. I just like yesterday that we were talking about in our little local, our station pool that eh, everybody picked the Ravens and the 49ers. And he goes, uh-uh, somebody picked the Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, love it. Love it. All right. Sweeping the dial is powered by Seattle University men's basketball. Coming up, not everyone is sold on Mike McDonald's potential as a head coach. We'll get into that when we hear the best of the rest. Coming up with Wyman and Bob, this is Seattle Sports on 710.